And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we start a Friday, Gary, how are you? I'm doing good. Let's hear from the guy. <laughs> I think you're going to find... There's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then he, he turns around and just stands there as if, like, he turned around and turned into stone. <laughs> it was almost biblical. Well, it, it, and it was an interesting juxtaposition because Gavin Newsom was standing behind him and kind of sees that he's staring out into the ocean and starts walking toward him to, I guess, jumpstart him again. I don't know how that protocol works, but he stands. It's like he turns around and expects somebody to be there. You know, if he had just turned to the other side, somebody would have been there. In fact, they were. It was the aforementioned Gavin Newsom. He's absolutely lost. And I was telling you during the um, pre-show meeting, okay, you're using the, the famous there's or infamous there's no there there <laughs> don't do you, use do you, the slogan from a from another scandal you know i i don't doubt that he lives with no regrets that's his arrogance right uh, i don't expect him to have regrets but how does he know if he doesn't know any of what's in the documents How does he know there's no there there? Remember, he is surprised. He has no idea about any of the documents. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to do what my lawyers say. Why? For national security? No, you're protecting your own posterior. Yeah, right. And, And that's the one thing that I have not seen anybody. We brought it up early on with Corrine Jean Pierre and said, wow, the White House is taking the fifth. Yeah. And then as it continued uh, through this week, well, what a week it's been. <laughs> as this continued through the week, uh, and, and then you find out, well, the reporters know, well, the Department of Justice didn't tell you you can't talk about this. We've, you know, we've been in contact with them. 
Right. Well, the protocol and prudence and prudence and prudence. And the best thing was, was one of the one of the <laughs> one of the reporters threw back when they asked one of the questions uh, two days ago. Uh, well, wouldn't it be prudent? I'm like, oh, my gosh, that I mean, that was complete and total sarcasm. Yeah. And so really, the one thing that hasn't come out is the president. And, and the, he, you know, he by saying what he said. He is verifying, not through a spokesperson, I'm taking the fifth. Yep. You know, and the Washington Post and uh, and, and and Breitbart, Breitbart uh, basically jumping off of the Washington Post story that was about, tw- uh, it's a little over 24 hours old, that, that puts out the timeline that the second batch was discovered before Christmas. Yep. And CBS called January 6th. And they didn't tell them about the second batch. The first story from CBS News was only the University of Pennsylvania. They didn't tell them when CBS called that there was a second batch already found. Nope. So there's been no transparency. The White House is taking the fifth. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm reading here from the, just the first line of Andrew McCarthy. Mm. Biden's DOJ was grossly negligent in handling classified document searches. If we could only indict the Department of Justice for felony mishandling of classified documents. <laughs> and he said point. Merrick yeah. Garland and his accomplices at the FBI appear to deserve it. And that's the greatest point. Yeah. What what they did was mishandle classified documents by telling people that were not authorized once they knew that there were documents out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you look at if you look at the Penn Center, you might have been able to say, well, at, at that point, you know, once they found it, well. We need to come in and check everything else out too, right. but then when the when the ones were found in the garage, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have two locations. Everything at that point, get away. We're doing everything. We're searching the house. We're doing everything. Classified documents have now been found in two locations, and we now know they have been uh, four. But right. everything that the White House has done, uh, only makes you suspicious. It doesn't do anything, nothing that they've done, because everything that they've told the press this week has eventually been wrong. Yeah, right. They haven't been transparent at all. Right. And then the Department of Justice has done everything wrong in this case. Well, I think maybe the only thing they might have done right was follow the advice of the Chicago uh, federal federal, uh, uh, attorney who said, uh, uh, no, Get a special counsel here. You need to take this away. Yeah. Because they look horrible in this. I mean, well, they, and, they look absolutely horrible in this. You know, and there's the, that's that's the whole thing. The, as the, the Washington Post, and I know it's a far-right conservative newspaper, <laughs> they point out that the DOJ and the Biden administration had every intention, it appears, to keep this hush-hush until they realized it was going to leak. 
And then it was recommended after the first of the year to the DOJ or to Merrick Garland. You need you need to get a special prosecutor on this. It's going to get out. It's about to pour out. And it did. And even then, they were reluctant to tell them the whole story. Because I believe it was, if my if I have it right in my mind here, I believe it was January 5th. We didn't know anything about this, which confused me in the beginning right. of the week. Right. And I realized, oh, oh, okay, they were investigating this at Department of Justice. And I believe it was on January 5th where the uh, uh, the uh, federal attorney uh, out of Lausch, uh, mm-hmm. Lausch mm-hmm. Uh, said, suggested you need... You need a uh, special counsel here. So before we even knew any of this, you know, they had assigned him, Lausch, Mm -hmm. to look into it. And he said special counsel's needed. Yep. But since then, I mean, it's just been, I mean, it's, you look at it, it has just been, it's been, it's been insane. The, um. Uh, you know, CNN. Let, let me play this. Uh, l- l- let me play this audio here from uh, from uh, CNN mm. uh, here from uh, yesterday. Here we go. I mean, I think that there's a frustration. I can say, generally speaking, I hope I'm not overgeneralizing amongst many reporters because there has been, I think, um, a sense that there was that the White House has not been as forthcoming as journalists would like with the information and the timeline. I mean, the first batch of documents were discovered shortly after the midterms. That was not disclosed until CBS broke the story. Uh, that is uh, uh, Asma Khalid, who is the White House correspondent for National Public Radio. All right. And it's more than that. Did you see the CNN story where it's like White House press corps trashes Corrine Jean-Pierre? The temperature has gone up. Yeah. Yeah. It, which was inevitable. Okay. CNN's uh, Oliver Darcy spoke with what he described as more than a half dozen White House reporters who suggested that the frustration Frustrations are growing with Jean-Pierre, given her demonstrative inability and unwillingness uh, to deviate from her predetermined talking points. <laughs> uh, Jean-Pierre's false claim last week, telling reporters that the search uh, through President Biden's classified documents was completed on Wednesday, has added to their growing frustrations. And it just continues to go on, talk, you know, the different reporters that they... Uh, that they had uh, uh, talked to. But, you know, several weeks went on between the searches. In the first days of November is when they found they were clearing out all the uh, uh, office closets there at the University of Pennsylvania office. And that's when they found the first batch. It was a few days before Christmas when they found the second batch at the Wilmington home. So CBS calls after the first of the year. It's January 5th, January 6th. They ran with a story on the 6th. I'm assuming they called either the 5th or the 6th and asked about it. And they were told about the batch at the office, but not about the batch at the Delaware home. And I'm wondering if the DOJ and, and Biden just thought that they would get away with, look, we'll just turn the ones we found out at the house. We'll just turn those over to you guys and, you know, be done with it. We don't want this whole thing to come crashing down. It'll make sense if they were found in the office. Why would you not? There's That's my question. Why would you not say there were documents found at his office, University of Pennsylvania, and also at his home? 
You don't have to say garage. You don't have to say anything else. Why would you not acknowledge both sets of documents to CBS? You acknowledged one. Why would you not acknowledge the second? Well, because we know the other story that came out that they had agreed not to release anything. Exactly. So this was an agreement between the White House where the Department of Justice is not doing their job. But but you're releasing it to CBS at that point is my point. They told when they told CBS, they said there's the one batch at University of Pennsylvania. They didn't tell CBS about the second batch. That's my point, because they had an agreement uh, uh, that was on running agreement with the White House not to release anything. So when they got caught in the one, they they admitted it, but they wouldn't do anything else. Yeah, that's and that's my question. Right. Why wouldn't you? If you're admitting one, why wouldn't you admit, no, we found all these documents and get it behind you? If you know there well, is a be- leak, because, because then they're it's in, eventually going to leak. Because they're in collusion with the White House not to release information, and when they have to release some, they're not going to release the rest. I know that part of it. Right. But you've already released something that is very telling. Release oh, it all. You mean you mean in the, uh, in the realm of reality? Of what you should be doing properly. Well, well, well it, it's not yes. just about doing it properly. Politically, you don't get a win when you know there is a leak. They knew it was going to get to the media. Well, they knew it had gotten to the media because CBS is on the phone. There's no way that the batch at the house is not going to get to the media. That's not there's that's not possible. It's it's totally impossible. <laughs> <laughs> That it's not going to be leaked. <laughs> it is going to happen. And all you say is, uh, there were some found at his University of Pennsylvania office and some documents found at his home in Delaware. And leave it at that. You don't say garage. Then you go back and then that's it. By the way, we're at that point, we're, you know, we're, we've been working with the DOJ and the National Archives. You know, what's funny is because on that initial batch, no, we've been cooperating with uh, the National Archives. They focused on the National Archives cooperation, and they didn't focus so much on the DOJ until it became a thing when Lausch was recommending a special prosecutor, when it was clear that the DOJ was involved. And the reason I believe is because, yes, they were colluding with the DOJ from the beginning. Of how to keep this yeah. thing quiet, and, and you and it, which you could have said we've been working with the DOJ, but the the problem is, the problem is, is that you let it go that long. I why was there a a huge gap of several weeks between the searches? That's a great point. It was uh, November. Yeah. Uh, Washington Post says November fourth at the uh, the University of Pennsylvania office. Um, and December 20th at the house. So the question, the uh, first batch of the house. So, so the question would, it would be, as you said, you know, number one, why that length of time? And then what caused that second search? What what caused the first search? What caused the second search? Right. I guess it's pretty obvious what caused the third and fourth search, because when it was, once you find it at two places, you're like, we got to check everywhere. Right. But no, this is just, um, it, you just, 
the Department of Justice, you know, something I'm, I'm telling you, uh, you, he can't do it now. Uh, Biden can't do it now because he's the one under investigation. Uh, yeah, and right. so he can't let go the uh, Mer- Merrick Garland because this, it's, it's oh, the president's no. oh, scandal. Gosh, yeah, no. But but seriously, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you probably have a ton of, of, uh, of Democrats go this complete total mess here because I don't think. You know, they're they're looking at I saw Clyburn was saying basically uh, saying nobody else run. It's going to be Joe Biden in the middle mm-hmm. of all of this. And mm-hmm. it's just like you need to shut up, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. But there are Democrats. that Well, we know Democrats don't want him to run. Mm. Yeah. You know, we know that Democrats and I think it's the majority of Democrats who don't want Biden to run for for president. So if that's what the Democratic voter wants, I can guarantee you. There's a huge fear. There's a huge fear in the Democratic Party right now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We might have, uh, you know, we, ju- we just got out of this last election by the skin of our teeth. Mm-hmm. This can't continue. Right. And Biden is just, you know, Biden is the worst. And uh, sitting here, well, well, we'll take a break here and come back because I'm just reading here what some of the reporters said. I just like this one. Another deemed Jean-Pierre is arguably the least effective White House press secretary <laughs> In the television era, another told Darcy, you just get the feeling you're wasting your time and whatever's in front of her in that binder is all she's going to say, no matter how times, how many times you ask the question. And it's like, well, that's been since the very beginning. You just discovered this now. Here's my here's here's what I would do. Uh, I think the approach would be, listen, everybody sees it. She's not effective. Make a copy of the binder and give it to everybody. <laughs> and just go page 42 yeah if you have a question you'll find it in there whatever topic just just all you got to do is is, is uh, go to the topic that you're curious about and the answer will be right there in writing we got a great show ahead Eight six six ninety red eye starting and charging system related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns so when your batteries talk it's important you listen Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Have your batteries inspected by a professional technician if you smell any unusual or strong odors coming from the battery box. A pungent odor could indicate chemicals are escaping from a damaged or overcharged battery. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So when you look at this entire week and everything that has happened since this has come out, and then really this week, the one thing is that's obvious to me, and I haven't seen it reported in this way. I haven't heard anybody say it the way that we have, which is from the very beginning, the president's been taking the fifth. Yeah. you know, And when you put it that way, we know that they've been evading but when you put it that way, and then the president coming out yesterday and saying, I'm, I have uh, no regrets. I'm doing what my lawyers have, uh, have you know, are, are telling me and following my lawyers. Why are you following your lawyers? Right. Well, what's interesting is he says he has no regrets well, and yeah. then takes cover under his lawyers. Right. I'm just doing right. what my lawyers tell me to, to do. So basically saying, if anything falls out, it's on them. I followed their advice. I'm doing everything they told me to do. And that's taking the fifth. Yep. 
because there is no, we now know there is no, there is, he doesn't know, he claims, what's in the uh, top secret documents. Well, if he doesn't know, there's nothing, he can say whatever he wants. Here's the timeline of when we did what. Here's the problem when you, when they have created this huge, 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 massive world's largest ball of twine of lies is that they can't stop answering the question that they said they weren't going to answer. <laughs> they should have talking points that are very short and clear no, and concise, and I mean, they keep giving the non-answer answer. Individuals and businesses with ta- the bonus show. Trend Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Welcome and good morning. Thanks so much for uh, being here. No, that's great though. I mean, I, when you when you said that, I mean, it's just it gets to be so bizarre. I mean, just the the circular in, in insanity that uh, that when 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 you said that uh Corrine Jean-Pierre mm-hmm. you know gives a non-answer right but giving the non-answer means that the question's still there so the question's still asked so you continue in this circular thing over and over again you know you ask her a question she gives a non-answer you say then the next person asks the same question she gives a non-answer then they all get frustrated yeah. because there's a non-answer and then she tells them no I'm answering your question and I thought when you said it this week somebody should say to to her no you're replying but you're not answering my question right you may be answering a separate question you're saying but, words right but you're not giving me an answer exactly somebody needs to say that you can Look, you can tell she can't take it long, and no, they're they're, no. they're now as as we pointed yesterday when you had the one reporter say, "You didn't answer my question." Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, we, we yeah. were saying this for the longest time. Right. That if we were a reporter, we probably wouldn't last in the White House press corps because we'd be blunt and say, "You're not answering the damn question. Answer the question." Mm-hmm. I'm answering. No, no, you're replying. Mm-hmm. You're saying words. Mm-hmm. You're not giving me you know, an answer here. But by saying that you're answering my question, you're lying to me. Right. Say it. Right. Because here's the thing is that in order to do that job, you have to you have to be the type of person who is a piece of ice in the most extreme heat. And inevitably, it was going to get to this point. Keep in mind we're not even fully into the Hunter Biden thing yet. We've only scratched the surface, scratched the surface right. on that. And so when you look at it, I mean, she's clearly not cut out for the job. Everybody knows this. There's nobody defending her in terms of her ability to do that job. Nobody. But this is why you build that wall from day one on something like this. We're following the process because we respect the process. We won't take any questions on this. If that changes, we'll let you know. We will not 
take any questions on this topic. Once you vary from that, the press sees a break in the wall. You're giving a series of non-answers in different forms, and they suspect, and that's basically the blood in the water. And it what it shows is exactly what happens in law enforcement. If you have a suspect, you bring them in, and you don't get everything right away. But you bring them in a week later, maybe two weeks later, and you bring them in multiple times because you're wanting to see if there is a break in their story. And this is what has happened from day one at the White House. They're giving a series of different non-answers. There should only be one. Memorize it. You're not going to say anything else to the media on this topic than this. And you carve it out. You don't vary from it. And you don't take any questions. You control the room. This is another reason why I said it's, you know, and we have for years, it's useless being in that room. If you're a reporter, you're not going to, you know, what they do is they gather information from sources outside that room, and then they bring those questions in. But you're still not going to get anything from a Karine Jean-Pierre. But the problem with having someone like her in this job is really indicative of the problem of having someone like Joe Biden in the White House. It was inevitable that something like this was going to happen and that they were going to botch the handling of this when they could have handled it handled it from day one. November 4th, they find the documents, University of Pennsylvania. November 5th, they should have been everywhere searching and the DOJ should have been leading that search. But they didn't do it that way because then they would have the story and say, we immediately contacted the DOJ. We put them in charge of this so that they could handle the transfer of the documents, the search, they could lead the search, they could handle the transfer of documents, and the National Archives could get all of these documents back where they belong, and then leave it at that. But you just couldn't help yourself, because that that's the thing. I suspect they're running up against a defiant internally. They're running up against a defiant Joe Biden. I'm one, wondering if that six-week gap between searches between his office at University of Pennsylvania and his home was because he kept saying, you're not going to search my house, Jack. That's a great point. You know, when, when uh, you know, we, we stated this because uh, it's true, but when you watch it, uh, the the press knows that, as we've said, the Kareem Jean-Pierre is lying about everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who's watching it knows that she's lying about everything. Kareem Jean-Pierre knows she's lying. She knows that the press knows that she's lying. Kareem Jean-Pierre knows that everybody who is watching it knows that she's lying and giving non-answers. And she continues to do it, and she has done it for such a long time. We've recognized it and called out the press corps, except maybe for, you know, know, Pete Ducey, uh, uh, Real Clear Politics, and New York Post, mm-hmm. most have been a tool of the administration. They've been a political activist. Now, we can we can sit there and, and speculate what caused the change here, but the fact is the change has happened. Everyone knows 
that she's lying. Everyone knows that Biden, in essence, is taking the fifth. How do we know? At least two of the polls that are out now, the poll that we brought to you yesterday that showed two thirds of Americans and then, you know, uh, believe that uh, Biden, uh, you know, uh, handled uh, uh, the classified documents inappropriately. And then Quinnipiac comes out yesterday. Now, Quinnipiac always skews more left. They favor the left. Mm -hmm. In that poll, 60 percent of Americans believe Joe Biden inappropriately handled classified uh, 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 documents. Only 22 percent. Uh, of Americans say Biden acted appropriately. Uh, and and remember how new this scandal is. Mm-hmm. This really only blew up this week. It really blew up this week. Republicans were on it last week, but it was, you know, it was once they found, oh, excuse me, at the end of last week, what, Thursday once they found it there, yeah, and then Saturday right. once it came out. Right. Well, the whole thing then blew up on Monday. Right, yeah. And it's just continued and it's just grown and grown and grown where people go, what the hell was the Department of Justice, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, doing? Wow, Biden's continuing to take the fifth. He's he's not protecting anything except himself here. He looks the they look guilty. Yeah. And so the fact is, when you have, you know, in in two polls, if you take the average of those two polls and the one skewing always almost always Democrat, you're talking about early on where you have, and the one poll showed the majority of Democrats. You've got nobody on your side now. Moreover, in the Quinnipiac poll, 71% of Americans believe that Biden's mishandling of classified documents is serious. Of the 71%, 89% of those 71% said it's very serious, and 32% said somewhat serious. Only 7% said it's not serious at all. So the fact is, everyone knows. You get everyone knows, and that's the problem that you have. There are no questions anymore. I mean, there's a ton of questions about how this all happened, but there are no questions about the honesty of the White House. No. There is no question in the American public, the vast majority of the public, that they're hiding something. Right. There is no question in the american uh, the the american public uh, uh that uh that uh this is not about you know biden's answers and Karine jean-pierre's answers the white house answers is not about protecting the country or the integrity of the investigation they know it's about him attempting to protect his posterior yep this is a legal thing the white house is afraid that the Department of Justice, well, excuse me, not the Department of Justice anymore, but the special counsel, special counsel has only been put in there because they suspect a crime. Now, and we know that for Democrats, there needs to be a, a, a identifiable, you know, or at least an identifiable allegation of a crime, mm. which is a mishandling of classified documents in order to get to the point of doing a special counsel. With Republicans, somebody can just throw out a theory, as we know. Trump colluded with the Russians to hack the election. Do we have any evidence of it? No. Get a special counsel. Find the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. We already know what the potential crime is uh, uh, here. And I can only imagine the attorneys trying to, because we don't know what happened. You know, Biden's claiming again 
that uh, he's not worried because there's nothing there there. He's done nothing wrong. How does he know he's done nothing wrong? He has no idea how they got there. Right. How does he know somebody in his staff? How does he know somebody in his family hasn't done something terribly wrong? How does he know that? He claims he has no knowledge of anything. And this is the thing this is the thing that anybody is looking at and this is so obvious and I will say this, part of the polling could be the fact that people actually take classified documents seriously. Part of it could be the tie-in to influence peddling and part of it could be Democrats just going God, what a mess this is. Just Biden, just get rid of him. Probably I, a combination well, of all those. I, I, I think that there is certainly no great concern uh, by Democrats and the liberal media that he come out of this unscathed. I think if it presents opportunity for them to go, eh, all right, yeah. Uh, if it Look, if it falls on him, it falls on him. We can all step back, which is exactly what you've seen. You and I have been talking about that for days. Is that he seems to be on an island. And that is indicative of, whoa. Well, this is how it was going to go. The reason you build a very short and solid statement and, and say and repeat the one thing over and over again is because you're, every time you're changing it, you're lying. Every time you're changing your response, and they're doing that daily now, they're changing their response to this, it shows that you are worried. Yeah. You can't flinch. Well, what they should have said from the very beginning, we're not going to comment uh, until the investigation is complete. Because when they said, it. we're not going to do it because we can't interfere in the investigation. My lawyers tell me, I did my, right, right. stop talking and see, there's the problem. That's the very liability that Joe Biden is to himself. He can't help himself. They tell me I'm not supposed to take questions, but I'm going to take questions. You first. Hey, what about Hunter's laptop? No questions. <laughs> I mean, he can't help himself. There's no there there. My, I'm doing what my lawyers told me to do. But when you have in in this tribal culture that we political tribal culture that we live right now in, when the polls move that quickly, yeah, and you have majorities of Democrats believe this is a major problem. For the president, there's a problem. And nothing has gone right. Tell right. Me, that, that's another thing I had to say. Is there anything since this has broke that has gone Biden's way? No. Anything. No. One, no. one day where it's no. like, oh, okay, no. This, uh, no. This, this moves this back a little bit. Let's not. Every single day, and it's pretty massive against Biden and the Department of Justice. Well, you've got a guy who for decades has been a proven liar. Every time he runs his mouth, my gosh. Uh, everybody is complaining about George Santos. All right, yeah, I don't like liars either. But if you're saying throw the liars out of the office, well, let's start with the top office and let's go back to the guy who embellished, lied about his own accomplishments in college and everything else along the way and has done so repeatedly for decades. Will the Washington Post fact checker give this 
bottomless Pinocchios plus? I yeah, I think I think uh, uh, Glenn Kessler. Yeah, that probably I think that's what he was doing. Look, I quit uh, for Biden. There's no way to even bottomless Pinocchios. We're not, I can't even do it anymore. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages for heavy trucks. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. we got a ton of stuff coming up today, to, uh, 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 including former football coach Tony Dungy, now a radical right winger. Oh. Mm. Uh, love that one. Yeah. SCOTUS fails to identify the uh, leaker. California rains. We talked about this the other day. The California rains that just happened, if stored, would have supplied the state's water needs for 10 years. Hmm. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, he is Eric Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. We make up Red Eye Radio. <laughs> we make it all up, actually, <laughs> as we go along. <laughs> Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and uh, if you can't listen live overnight, uh, you can listen when and where uh, you want. Sad to hear that uh, David Crosby uh, died at 81. I don't know why. I always thought he was older. Yeah, I was I, surprised to to learn that he was only 81. Yeah. I, I would have I would have said late 80s. He was in the the very short scene in the movie with Val Kilmer, Thunderheart. I mean, he had just a, he was a bartender who just came out and shot at a vehicle that had thrown a firebomb mm. through the bar. Yeah, and but he was in, and I remember him. He looked like he was. 70 then and that would have been mm. wow 30 years ago yeah so uh, i mean he yeah, just he looked yeah. he looked old yeah he looked old back then and I so i think the mustache yeah kind of a uh a, a, a hippie version of the wilford brimley you know long mustache thing i think that kind of makes you look older i saw a documentary on on david crosby and this goes back i don't know Maybe two years ago, maybe three. Yeah. I just it was it was uh, it wasn't like ten years ago, mm. and they interviewed him a lot. Very, uh, very reflective, very, uh, very critical of himself. Huh. Yeah, and and the things that he did wrong. It surprised me a little bit. You just you know because he could come off as pretty arrogant at times. Yeah, and I was I was, you know, even though we we probably disagreed on most things in life and politics and things like that it was really interesting and a little bit refreshing to see how he looked back at his past lives and uh, past lives his past life and you know his life because it wasn't past at that i mean well it was past but 
Uh, and and he looked at it and and uh, he said, "I was wrong for this. I was wrong for that. I was wrong for this. I was wrong for that." I'm like, "Yeah, oh, that's cool." No, I I think that's probably it was uh, you know therapeutic for him to look back and go, "All right, it's okay to say when you're wrong," and and yeah. you know at a certain age you you say, "All right." I don't know what that's like, but um, <laughs> first of all, you have to be wrong to say it if you're going to be honest about it. Uh, but no, I, I think it's, you know, likely was that. And, and probably after a while, you know, living what through the era that he lived through, he probably started reflecting going, yeah, I could have done some things. Maybe we all could have done some things better. Mm-hmm. Uh Bob Dylan had written about him at one, uh, at one point that I think it was for a book that uh, that Crosby got along with very few people. Yeah, you know, but but he it was a good it was a good kind of the, the he still was very complimentary of of Crosby in 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 that, but you know just you know his had a great voice and and the whole thing and he you know. But I could see that being from that era. It's almost back then. What we said was the you know the the sixties uh, liberal. Many of them would be a libertarian if they held that same viewpoint or those same viewpoints or you know had that same approach today. Uh, I don't know that I would say that about uh, David Crosby, but. You know, in that era, it was about the government should leave us alone and, and the whole thing. And and uh, so and and freedom and liberty and 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 all of that, not really the way that a, that a modern libertarian uh, might talk. But it was kind of that same mindset or maybe uh, shared some of the same values. And, you know, I was never a. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, I, I can't say that I was, you know, like the biggest fan, but it was like, you know, we talked about, you know, a number of artists uh, over the years where you didn't have to buy the records. The the record, the, the music was always present. You know what I mean? You, it's not like you, you went out and you were trying to show everybody, you know, that you were a, a you know, a devoted, it's like you knew that everybody knew their work. You didn't have to go get your albums and say, hey, listen to these guys. You know, it was always present and used in movies and used in, you know, in in so many ways. And, and you know, that's that's how you define in terms of music or pop culture. That's how you define an icon. You know, I, I, I go back, though, and I, I look, for example, and uh, whenever I hear, you know, a, a, a Birds tune and he was part for a little while, part of the Birds. Yeah. You think about when they came out in the mid '60s and the harmonies that they had. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and it was—it's my. I mean, there's. As I get older, I have a new appreciation. I go back and I'm like, oh, I thought it was pop. That's re-, and it is pop, but that was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then I think of of uh, when uh, this had to be in the '70s and probably uh, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes came out. I think in '69. Yeah, and yeah. the song about Judy Collins that yeah, uh, yeah. Crosby, Stills and Nash put together, and uh, uh, it was uh, uh, Stephen Stills. Uh, former girlfriend right and you know this song is seven i think it's over seven minutes long and it's really slow but i remember and i'm going to say but from the time i turned 18 
till probably I'm going to go. So that would have been uh, 73 going through probably 79 when whenever I whenever we would go out. And this would be where I grew up in in Buffalo. You go to a you know you you go to a bar and the DJ would be playing stuff. And this was rock. They were playing rock. Yeah. Right. And so you would hear uh, what uh, you know uh, Bob Seger, uh, you know whatever you you know. And by the because you got later in maybe some Tom Petty and mm-hmm. and uh, but all the you know Boston you name that right. And the one amazing thing is. That and even when the you know the punk started coming in a little bit, you'd hear they try to mix everything in together. Yeah, right. And for years, it was acceptable to play "Sweet Judy Blue Eyes," and you know how slow that song is for the first. Oh, well, I don't know if it's if it's. Uh, let me see how let me know how long. Okay, uh, uh, seven minutes and twenty eight seconds. Mm-hmm. The first six minutes and fifty seconds is extremely slow. And it's just right. at the end, and I'll never forget that the song would play, and people would just be not paying attention, and you'd get to that part, and the entire bar would go into that, mm-hmm. including me. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be sitting there with your, all your buddies, and and it's just, you know, uh, great. Again, I don't think I ever bought one of their records. Right, right, but I, you know, and I, but I appreciate, especially with their harmonies, what they did. Yeah, you know, um, you know it's it's one thing to get up there uh, at, with other people and play instruments together, but when you can harmonize that way, there are very few bands, uh, groups that have been able to do that and make it sound familial and like the Bee Gees. And other groups <laughs> to talk about the Bee Gees again. <laughs> Second day in a row. Uh, I'm not going to listen to you guys. But if I heard you talk about the Bee Gees twice in yeah, one week. <laughs> when when you're related, the harmonies are unbelievable. It's 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 almost unmatched. Except when you have a Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young. Young if you want to throw that in, uh, the Eagles, I would put in that same category. Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Those are the things that, you know, you, that is really hard to do. Uh, I was in one garage band and, and the, there was one group of members that we could do it and it sounded good. I, I would just say good. I wouldn't sound, I wouldn't say great, but it sounded good. And, and we got compliments on it. And I know that the work that, that you put into that. Now, you take that to the level of being, you know, an iconic group and you're creating your own music and then you're going out and performing that music night after night after night after night. And it, it's it's got to be a task that seems on certain days just impossible. Yeah, I, I when... I always find that when they when they do harmonies live and it's perfect and you're mm-hmm. like wow how did how did they hit it and they've got to they've got to hit it every night and maybe it's maybe it's not as hard when you've done it ten thousand times I'll say this about the Beach Boys when I was I was never a fan of the Beach Boys I went too poppy but that was again I've I've always talked about that a lot of pop music I didn't like early on because uh, all my dad had in the house was classical music mm-hmm. and so when I first heard the Beach Boys then for me it was when I heard Pet Sounds and went whoa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, and then I 
And I actually have one, I have one Beach Boys album and it's Pet Sounds. That's it. But, right, yeah. you know, cause the rest was played. <laughs> I mean, you, you could hear it every five seconds growing right. up. Yeah, you didn't yeah. need to, you didn't right. need it to buy it. It came to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it came to you. But the, when you think about the harmonies and the overdubbing and everything mm. else that Brian mm. Wilson had done at that point, mm. and you hear the incredible harmonies, and some of the remastered stuff too. Yeah, when they and, remastered it, where and back then they well, didn't have auto tune. You didn't have Pro Tools to auto tune something if it was exactly. a little bit off. You yeah. had to do it. Yep, the humans had to make that happen. And again, you know, it's hard enough to to play an instrument, but when your instrument is also your voice, oh my gosh, yeah, that's on you, a totally. And then you're gonna combine that with other individuals yep. who you know today you may not be getting along with. I mean, I just, I can't imagine what's that, what that is like, but, um, you know, you know that's, the, there's that, that's, that's likely why there are only a handful of groups that ever did that and did it well. But it is interesting because, you know, they, they were always, whether it was the birds or whether it was, you know, with, uh, David Crosby, always fighting, always fighting, always yeah, fighting. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're yeah. thinking, you know, and, and was it the drugs? Was it because you would think that something inside of you, even in your twenties would say, this is something special. I'm going to stick with it a couple of years and really focus in on it. You know, you would think, but again, in that day and age, it was let's perform and then get wasted constantly. Yeah. And, 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 but, and so you, you, uh, that's the thing too. You lose the ability to do that if you're wasted on stage. I was starting to step on, we were at a, an event and I was starting to step on their bus and they were shouting at each other and it's, the, the only time I've ever encountered encountered this at this level, seals and crofts. It was a bad day. I, I don't I can't tell you everything that led up to that point, but it was late in their career. Wow. And they were not happy with each other on that day, which, by the way, is bound to happen. It's just, you, you know, you, it's it's bound to happen. You know, you're going to have your days where you just don't get along. And. I remember just going, oh, and I looked at some of the staff, you know, as they were on behalf of a radio station, I looked at some of the staff and said, hey, let's, let's all uh, move over here. Let's uh, no, I'm, I'm glad give you, them s- some space. I'm glad you brought them up because probably if a lot of people hear, you know, if you just hear it, it was like, okay, it's Heels and Crofts, Heels mm-hmm. and Crofts. But when you actually listen to their harmonies, oh my gosh. it was mind-boggling. That show, harmonies. That show was, was such a great Live shows and oh, okay, show. okay. So they were good live, though. Oh my! Oh, gosh. I thought you yeah, were yeah, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't perform good live because. Oh no, the, no, no, oh, no, no, oh, no! Okay. I, I mean, oh, they okay. were shouting each other on the bus. Is what I was saying. Well, that, that would ruin your whole image fighting. of Seals and Croft. And no, the, I mean the, and the hummingbird, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> Diamond Girl, the whole thing. And it, but it's you know they were just they were not getting along on that day. But no, the show was great. And talk about harmonizing. I just keep you know you think Three Dog Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stuff that they did, which is, oh my I always gosh. think of Three Dog Night and go, wow, what a weird band that was great. I mean, just the songs they did, no, you know, I mean. No, it, it really was. And that story is, uh, is uh, wow, the whole story and, is uh is Oh, and, and it's scary. funny because whenever, you know, whenever, and you can still hear it on classic rock, you know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Mm-hmm. And then years later, there I'm watching WKRP and it's the Hoyt Axton is on it. You know, the cut. I didn't know he wrote the song. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He yeah, wrote yeah, that yeah, song. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, what? Mm-hmm. He's a country artist. That's like, yeah. wow. And, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, but uh, 
too bad. But 81, wow. I just, Then again, remember, he had a, the liver transplant, I think, in 94. Mm. So yeah. he was in his 50s when he had that. So yeah. he actually got some bonus years. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so there sure. you go. 86690 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on winter weather driving. On the off chance that you become stranded due to wintry conditions, it's important to be prepared and to know what to do. Consider carrying an emergency kit that includes a shovel, flares, jumper cables, first aid supplies, a flashlight, and spare batteries. If you become stranded, stay in your vehicle. Walking in a storm puts you at risk of being hit by a car, suffering hypothermia, or getting lost. Call 911 to request help. Store extra clothes in your cab so you can stay warm by wearing layers. If you have to run the engine for heat, make sure that the exhaust pipe is clear of snow and crack a window to make sure that carbon monoxide doesn't build up in the cab. Also pack extra food and water so you don't have to go hungry or risk dehydration while you're waiting for help to arrive. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. This report is brought to you by Pilot Flying J and by Shell Rotella. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Check out all the latest in news, events, trucking information, and podcasts at Red It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Thank you so much for uh, for being here. Well, uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, Baldwin, excuse me, the actor, uh, is going to be charged with involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they make that stick in front of a jury. From, from what I've seen, the evidence that they're using so far, I don't know how they're... I don't know what they're looking at. Mm. I have the uh, the assistant, the one who's in charge of loading the gun and making sure that no real bullets are in. The armorer, I, yeah. The armorer, exactly. Mm-hmm. I can see, I think it's Hannah Reed. I think her name is. I, yeah. I think they have a much better case with her. I have no idea. I have no idea what they're going to say was any type of intent to be involved in any wrongdoing. The only thing is, the only thing that I saw was when he said he never pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. And the forensic analysis said that's impossible. He had to pull the trigger. And be, and at yeah, that point, right. you say, yeah. at that point, if the scientific evidence doesn't back what you say and the jury believes you're lying, well, then the question would be, why are you lying? But exactly. still, yeah. but still you, you could sit there as a jury member and say, okay, I believe he's lying. Why is he lying? Yeah, and what did other witnesses say? Other witnesses from the safe uh, right. or from the, uh, the the uh, the the scene, and and that is the I, I think the the question about the entire process of the gun, the chain of custody of the gun, the story that the gun was taken basically off the set um, at some point, and somebody had handled the gun the night before. Right, you know, if all that is true, what did the witnesses tell? Uh, the prosecutors or the investigators here uh, that that made it look like that that uh, he should be that Alec Baldwin should be charged uh, along with the armorer because the armorer 
ultimately is responsible. But there is a protocol on the movie sets where you have to, you know, acknowledge and, you know, along the way that, all right, you know, this is you treat it as a as a live weapon. But he he was but, you know, he asked, is this is this cool? And there's some theories that, well, because he pointed it Mm -hmm. at her. Mm hmm that that in itself because they're not charging uh him with involuntary well well whatever it would be involuntary assault whatever of the other director that was hit with the bullet mm-hmm. they're only charging him with the person who he was aiming at mm-hmm. but he asked i saw that today that you know that evidence he asked is the gun cool or whatever whatever right. the lingo is mm-hmm. said yes it is mm-hmm. so at that point I I just don't see how you get there because there was there was no from what I can see negligence or chain of possession mm-hmm. of you know the blanks or the bullets mm-hmm. that he was involved in. Mm-hmm. So be interesting to see where they go on that. And get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. <laughs> He's Eric Harley. I'm Gary McNamara. Good luck. I'm sorry. I just saw a headline. Hmm? I just I was I was reading another story and I just my eyes glanced to the side. I was reading a story in the New York Post. Yeah, but that we'll get to in a second here. And I just scanned you know, and they've got you know the pictures and headlines of other stories. Right. <laughs> it's the headline. Drag denier Santos seen in drag at 2005 parade <laughs> yeah. boasting about drag. Yeah. Oh, what? What? Yeah. Wow. You just wonder uh, how someone even gets elected, how, how they even get to the point of running for Congress. Yeah, before any of this, before the yeah, right. It's it's <laughs> everything in this guy's life seems to be, you know, pathological. Right. Uh, the yeah. uh, the whole uh, dressed in drag thing. His uh, an ex girlfriend had the pictures, and you know she's claiming one thing, and of course he's claiming something else. But when you've already been proven to be a liar, yeah. Then you know deference is going to go to her. I, I I just love using the denier word in there. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, he's accused of dr- dressing up. Uh, he's he's uh, drag in, denier in, in drag. <laughs> you know, I, that's what I expected the headline to be in yeah, the first yeah. two words: drag denier. It's mm-hmm. like every, everything's a denier now. <laughs> yeah, climate change denier. Right. Yeah, election denier. Mm-hmm. Denier, denier. Denier in chief. Denier in chief. Yeah. <laughs> deny, denier press secretary. <laughs> yeah. And they'll deny that they are deniers. Yeah, they, They're denier yeah. deniers. Yes. That's a <laughs> double negative denier. Yeah. 
So, yeah, the story was, I was actually looking at in the New York Post, uh, more New Yorkers moved to Florida in 2022 than any year in history. And, you know, that says a lot because over the years, I mean, even back in the day, it was kind of a common thing. Well, it ended up being more than one episode of Seinfeld of seniors moving to Florida from New York. You know, you retire in the warmer weather. Really, right, that was right. it. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you know, that was a kind of a, a, a thing. But when you think about that, more than any other year, that's a pretty big deal because it's been going on. Uh, I-95 is basically retirement highway. <laughs> Leads It leads from New York to Florida. Uh, the whole idea of, you know, the, the and, and it's now, it's for different reasons. It's not just retirees. It's people that want to get out of the chaos. They want to get out from under uh, living in a blue state or a uh, blue city. And, and not necessarily that, that it's blue. It's just of everything that comes with it, higher crime in New York and everything else. And these are individuals who uh, at different levels uh, clearly can't afford to move. By the way, my question is, at what point for individuals does it get uh, uh, to that threshold where you can't afford to stay? Well, the fear, whether it's Gavin Newsom in California or Kathy Hochul in New York, is the fact that the people that are going to be moving that have the ability to move are the ones that they tax the most. Yeah. And remember, was it who, what state was talking about the fact that they wanted to go after, like, for example, if you lived in their state, was this California that that idea came up that in order to, to keep you from moving, they were going to tax you before you left or whatever you, you would be, if, if you moved, they would still have the ability to tax you, five years after you moved or yeah, something like right, that, right, right. which to me would be completely unconstitutional. Yes. But that's the thought process that is going through the the left because we remember uh, when Kathy Hochul, uh, you know, basically said, you know, Lee Zeldin and anybody who was, agrees with him who, who ran against the Republican candidate, basically get out of New York. We don't want you here. Right. Cuomo, yeah. Cuomo said the same thing. Yeah. Remember, Cuomo said the same yep. thing. Yep. We don't want you here. Go. Well, they're going. And and the 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 biggest fear is with the the system of how they tax the rich in California and New York, you don't need two million people to move. Right. You get in any of these states, you get five thousand to move over a period of even 10 years. Yep. You've lost a significant portion. And that's why, you know, New York's panicking because so much of New York's budget is paid for by the rich. Yeah. Yep. And as we have seen some of those figures, the top 1% pay 50% of the taxes. It's the same here in the United States. But the fact is, you can't get out of here. <laughs> can't get out of the United States. 
Hey, I was I was uh, one of the Democratic congressmen yesterday. This just popped into my head. Hmm. Said, well, uh, in in order to make up the budget deficit, we don't need to cut spending. We need to just increase taxes to pay for all the spending that we have. Yeah, well, right. Can you imagine? Now, you re- remember when the Democrats have talked about raising a trillion dollars in funding over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine taxing the American public? Because the average, uh, you know, the the average um, deficit over the next 10 years is going to be, you know, 10, 15 years is going to be $1.5 trillion, and probably more because it's always done at a conservative level. Could you imagine immediately <laughs> taxing this economy another $1.5 trillion this year to pay for everything? Oh yeah, you know that's I mean, not. It's it's it would be, but th- this is what they think they can do, and and of course they start with we're going to go after corporations and the rich, and when you go after corporations, it's a hidden tax that hurts the poor the most. Yep, corporations don't pay taxes; the consumer yep. pays those taxes, and so the problem is what they're looking at. I mean, you get you get a couple of hundred. Mm-hmm really rich people to move out of your state, yep. that affects your bottom line big yep. time. Yep. And that's what's going to happen. You know, I was looking at, uh, there was a couple of stories here. Here it is. Uh, union membership plummets to record low despite Biden's promises to increase it. Well, if you buy into the fact that Biden was going to increased membership in unions the only way that he could do that would be to expand the unions in government Mm. and we have warned about this when biden said this we said well yeah if he's talking about private sector he's lying to you and one of the first things he did was kill tens of thousands of union jobs yeah and where are the best union jobs best union jobs are in uh, you know, very highly technical trade, uh, right. in, you know, jobs, mm-hmm. positions out there. Mm-hmm. We know that's the people that really get paid, the ones that really have to do the hard work. Those are really the good, those are really the best union jobs that exist out there. Well, they're all in manufacturing. Democrats want manufacturing gone. Oh, Gary, that's an exaggeration. Excuse me? Uh, we were here. We were here. We were sitting right here in these seats back in 2015, I believe it was. No, it was 2016 hmm. when Hillary wanted to ban all coal mining. Mm-hmm. And then Bernie Sanders came through with, what did he want? to? Oh, ban all trucks on the road. Mm-hmm. And then Obama, even though he wasn't running, he was done came out and said, okay, ban all oil drilling in, you know, uh, any offshore waters. Right. And we're like, wow, everyone's trying to... You want to... Manufacturing causes carbon dioxide to be put into the atmosphere. Democrats want it gone. Yep. They don't want union jobs. No, they don't want manufacturing at all. Right. And they've proven it. I mean, what type of complete uh, idiot 
who is looking at economic, energy, and national security suicide would say, no coal, no oil, no trucks on the road. What did you see in Virginia? <laughs> the environmentalists, they, they want to build a huge solar farm. The environmentalists, no, no, no. We're we're for so we're for responsible solar growth. Uh-huh. Put them on top of buildings, uh-huh. alongside of roads, uh-huh. but we don't want them where there's massive amounts of nature. Well, it means you don't want solar panels. You don't want a system that even if the sun is brightly shining, could do any type of a percentage of give us any type of the percentage of electricity that you're claiming is needed in this country. You can't do it. It's impossible. You'd have to use hundreds of millions of acres of land for the solar and wind you're going to need. Right. And for solar, think about it. It's really only going to be productive in states like Arizona, Nevada. You know, this is the, and but this is the reality that they can't face. They can't because... They're not doing the math. They don't care about the math. But here it is. Rates of union membership fell to an all-time low of 10.1% in 2022, according to a Thursday report Mm -hmm. from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, despite President Joe Biden's promise to bolster American unions. No, he wants to kill American unions. Yeah. He doesn't want to increase. He has zero, zero concern. Uh, Biden pledged to be the most pro-union president you've ever seen to a group of supporters the night before the 2020 elections, according to the Associated Press. And signed an executive order in April of 2021, creating a task force to investigate how the federal government could increase union membership. Despite those efforts, union membership continued its long decline in 2021 and 2022 as new non-union jobs outpaced union jobs according to the BLS. And before April of 2021, he killed the Keystone Pipeline, which eliminated tens of thousands of good union jobs. And he told them, hey, go find another job. Right, go learn learn to code. Go learn to code. He didn't give a damn about union workers. There's a story the other day about how the union leadership really hasn't commented, you know, on the Keystone Pipeline since the government came out uh, just, what is it, a week ago? Because we brought it up. Mm Mm-hmm. A week ago about how many, how much revenue and how many union jobs were lost because of it. And it said the union leadership is quiet. Yeah, because the union, because union leadership looks, if you're a union member, they look at you as if you're the biggest sucker on the planet. Yeah. You give them your dues and they work against, especially if you're in manufacturing. Yeah. They work against you. Uh, And they don't, they don't care either. Union leadership today doesn't give a damn about union membership. Nope. We've talked about this. We talked about it last week. We had union members say, yeah, our union leadership completely disagrees with you know everybody we know in the union. It's it's really amazing, you know, uh the uh the union leadership in this country has been involved in union suicide. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's um But they don't care they don't care either. No, they don't. No, you get to they that don't. level; it's no longer about protecting the union; it's about you. 
And the Democratic Party doesn't care about unions any longer. They don't want manufacturing. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. If you like listening to Red Eye On Demand, we have more of Eric Harley and guests for you. Download RER's Extra Mile podcast. More topics and issues discussed. Eric and Gary for the Eden Pure Gen 40. I love mine. You're going to love yours. Gary, we've been talking about inflation. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Wow, something that we had talked about earlier this week went viral. And yeah. we'll get to that coming up here uh, in uh, in just a little bit. But yeah, just get, quickly getting back to uh, the uh, you know the uh, the Biden and the unions. Hmm. They don't care. Democrats don't care about unions. The really great union, except for government unions, as we've stated over and over again. Hmm. Government unions, yes. Private sector unions, no. Right. You know, they try to. Well, okay, we're going to unionize fast food. No, you're not. You're not going to successfully unionize fast food. The turnover is too great. Yeah, so you're- look, it, it's and and it's there's no real desire to do that except from the far left politically. There's no desire within to unionize. Maybe by people that are there today, but they're going to be gone tomorrow. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric. I'm Gary. Harley's his last name. McNamara is my last name. Hello. Red Eye Radio is the name of the show. <laughs> Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you choose. You know, earlier in the week, and this was just because uh, I think it was Sunday, um, and you're the one that got me to uh, go commercial-free on YouTube. Yeah. And I think for... Like a hundred bucks, I got it for because they give you three months free, mm-hmm. and then you you know then the rest of it. So I got fifteen months for a uh, hundred bucks, yeah, right, or something like that. One hundred and ten dollars, yeah. I forgot right. what it was. I'm like, well, that's a great deal, and all you get for the money is no commercials. Mm-hmm. But on YouTube, that's the best thing ever. Yeah, I like the original content. I know you do too. Yes, uh, but there's you know news organizations will also put up clips. Uh, Wall Street Journal has these eight, ten-minute videos uh, that they put out, which is really their their podcast. It's a video version of their podcast that they mm-hmm. put out. Uh, there's tons of podcasts on there, and there's also tons of movies. You can go watch a ton of stuff that that is included, you know, with that. So there's a there's a ton of content that is there, and now they're trying to fold in subscriptions like. If you have your Paramount Plus, you don't have to get out of that app, the YouTube app. You can sign into your Paramount Plus 
and watch it right there to without YouTube. leaving right. the YouTube app or whatever. Uh, which I don't know. The, the I guess it's a convenience appeal. I don't know, but the 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 original content. Uh, my wife and I watch uh, a lot of outdoor stuff. Uh, 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 I, my gosh, um, some guys, a uh, group of guys that that uh, do some fishing out uh, on, <laughs> on the uh, in California, out in the San Francisco area. Um, diehard fishing. Uh, uh, outdoor Chef Life, uh, Matt's Off Road Recovery, and some of the other uh, mm-hmm. uh, guys, uh, Fab Rats, and guys in in Utah. Uh, my gosh, I you know subscribe to all these things that and- are to me great entertainment because it's I'm learning something with a lot of them, but it's also um, for the most part the content creators are are. Uh, people that have, uh, they're good people. They, 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 they seem like they're good people. So they have a, it's, it's nothing too serious, uh, but it's always fun. Oh yeah. There's, there's, uh, there's car repair things on there. There's, uh, the, the one that I've just been addicted to the last month. It's when I did nothing during Christmas and it was Mm. the proper people. And it's just these two guys who go all around the world. Yeah, and and they go into abandoned places, power right. plants, nuclear plants. Yeah, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and, and you know old, old old insane asylums, you know whatever uh, subway tunnels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one going them going through the Cincinnati subway tunnel that was bu- that they built uh, a few miles of it back in I don't know when it was like nineteen twenty, mm-hmm. and then didn't have the money and closed it down. Right, and they walked through this, and I just I find it fascinating. But I subscribe to the news groups, too, and all of a sudden something comes up, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. And that's what happened last week. And we talked about it Monday. Mm-hmm. I, and and uh, I at the, the time, there was some profanity in it, so I couldn't get the clips that I wanted. But I was able to get the, the clips here and to edit out some the at least one uh, <laughs> word of profanity in, in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, uh, the gentleman's name, and I'd never heard of him before. And I thought, is this guy really well-known? And he wasn't. And right. it just happened yeah. because... I subscribe to different, you know, news, you know, news sources out there, right. news networks. It just came up. Mm-hmm. It was all right there. And I went, well, who is this Constantine, Constantine uh, Kissin? Who is he? Who is this guy? I don't know who he is. And he's at, uh, in, at Oxford, you know, for the Oxford debates. Mm-hmm. And I watched this whole thing and went, it's probably nine or ten minutes long. And I went, this guy's great. Mm. And he's young. You know, he's like 40. I think he's 40 years old. And and uh, he talked about a variety of things. He talked about, for example, the woke culture and talked about racism and the anti-racism movement, which is the racism movement. He goes, look, there's only solution to it. Maybe because we've said it so many times. Mm. There's only one solution. Solve racism. Uh, you treat everybody by the content of their character. That's it. If you bring up anything else, then you're the problem. It's it. It's that simple. You right. judge everybody by the content of their character. You walk around life and, you know, you may notice somebody is black Mm -hmm. or has green eyes and you have blue Mm -hmm. and has different color hair, but it's meaningless to you. Right. Because all you're doing is judging that person by the content of their character. And we added one more because we do a radio show and and uh, the substance of your argument. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's it. And it was so crystal clear. He goes, that's it. If you bring anything else, you're the problem. And then he started talking about global warming. And that's the part that I want to uh, uh, play here. 
from uh, from Oxford, and apparently it was like in the last, uh, oh, I think it was last week when he actually did this speech. But here's a couple of clips. Hmm. This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions, which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who couldn't give a about saving the planet. 120 million people in China do not have enough food. I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. We know that the way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. And I mean, he was great. And, and that's clips. He, he goes into more details uh, of it when he talks about, uh, you know, uh, climate change. He goes, these people are starving. Yeah, these are these are poor people. They're going to continue to do it. We can't. That's where the majority of the population are. And this is an argument that's been made before. But mm-hmm. you don't see it made by a young person in an Oxford debate and challenging young people directly. And he said, hey, a lot of older people are afraid to challenge the kids because of the wokeness that comes from them. Now, yeah. we're right. not part of that group. No. But uh, and and I like what's then he he was on this narrative and this narrative's been out there for a while. And it's something that we've we've hit maybe not in the the uh, uh, the same way, but it's the whole thing that you believe the solution is to protest, and it's not. Right. It's to actually get involved. It's to get involved and and create the new technology of tomorrow to do your part, because that's what, that's why everything that, uh, uh, I can't think of his first name, Erlock said, who wrote The Population Bomb, mm. that the world will be destroyed by 1989. Mm. There will be nobody left. The earth is gone. And 60 Minutes put him on a couple of weeks ago to say, hey, this guy was wrong on everything. Let's put him in. Let's bring him in again and uh, compliment him and uh, see what he's uh, his view now is for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason he was wrong on everything is because of technology. Technology has changed everything. And plus he was just, he, he the current technology, even when he was talking about it, there weren't going to be hundreds of millions of people starving in in a couple of years. There was nothing to back that up. He was lying. He was fear-mongering. Erlock uh, at that time, I just can't think of his first name, back when he wrote the population bomb back in 1970. But completely and totally wrong. Just like everybody at the World Economic Forum, excuse me, the World More Poverty Forum mm-hmm. is is discussing when they scream and yell. And we mentioned yesterday about Al Gore screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling and so passionate that the world is doomed this is a guy who lied to he lied to environmentalist yeah right he lied to environmentalist for over 10 years and finally had to come out in 2010 and say okay 
sorry, I really didn't mean it. I made a mistake, which he didn't make any mistake at all. He knew he was lying. That's really interesting when somebody said, when instead of saying that they lied, they made a mistake because he followed it up by saying, I made a mistake because I valued, I valued uh, uh, votes more than I did science. Well, then that's not a mistake. You lied. Yeah, right. Uh, by the way, always the one of the most arrogant guys in the room. <laughs> I can't say the most because it is the World Economic Forum. Um, so he's on a panel. And he says in the audio, or the video was circulating in uh, social media yesterday. In my country, this is Al Gore. In my country, first of all, he started out with, in my country, as if the other panelists didn't have never heard of the U.S. In my country, we passed the Inflation Reduction Act, oh, yeah. which is primarily a climate act. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a l- little bit of honesty came out in that yep. one, didn't yep. it? Yeah. Which we already knew. I mean, you, you pick it apart, it was all about climate change. Right. They're not talking about economics at the forum. They're talking about climate change. Right. Everything is about climate change. Right. It's not about increasing economic growth. No. So the so people in poverty across the world can advance up the ladder. No. It's about ensuring that those people stay in poverty. And as we've stated before, these people are so radical. Uh, uh, remember when um, uh, this goes back a, a few years ago, but even the governor, the former governor of Oregon about 10 years ago brought it up that we have to reduce GDP, we have to reduce world uh, GDP. And I remember the the uh, the climate change, people were saying by, you know, the year uh, uh, 20, 2100 that, uh, and, you know, uh, roughly, you know, uh, uh, 78 years from now that uh, we have to have a total GDP that is 13% less than it was 10 years ago when they right. brought it up. right. Which, of course, would mean hundreds of millions of people would starve to death if right. you did that. Right. If yeah. you said, no, no yeah. economic growth. In fact, we have to reverse economic growth. This is what these people believe. They are that. But then again, what do you expect out of people that say a biological man can be a biological woman because the man says so? Well, and they want you to believe, and I think many of them believe, that wealth is finite. There is a finite amount of money and wealth. And Al Gore is a guy who's got a estimated net worth of $300 million. I could see somebody like that if he does believe that wealth is, that there's a finite amount of wealth. He doesn't want anybody else getting his. He wants it to stay in his pocket. This is, and, and everybody sees this charade for what it is. I don't know how much longer you can, I mean, because it, it is laughable. It is absolutely laughable. The people that actually care about expanding wealth don't go to these charades because they're busy working. They're busy expanding wealth, creating wealth, which benefits everybody. But they don't want that. They've got theirs. Don't you think this is, it goes back to Obama telling Africa, oh, no, 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 no. Don't start with the manufacturing. 
and air conditioning and all of that. No, no, no. No, no, no. The oceans will boil over. Well, now he's saying they are boiling. Now. That was a lot. Al Gore is saying they, they're actually <laughs> boiling now, yeah, the, which, of course, they're not. That the oceans are boiling now, which surprised us because we didn't know that the outside temperature was 212 degrees, at least Fahrenheit. Look, there must be it's that been a wind. warm winter, but I didn't know it was that hot. Maybe the wind. There's a wind chill. So Maybe, yeah. It Maybe. doesn't feel like 212. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, just a complete idiot, seriously. And again, a known liar on really the first efforts of countries to reduce climate change, which was ethanol mandates, which did the exact opposite. Right. And he finally admitted, I lied for 10 years in order to get, well, he lied in 2000, you know, leading up to 2000. And then he needed to continue the lie until finally he was, activists called him out on it. Environmentalists finally came out right. and said, well, wait a minute, this is actually putting more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere from farm to tank. Right. Oh, yeah, it's not good, but I was more worried. I made a mistake. I was more worried about votes than science, as he said. No, you lied. It wasn't a mistake is when you make a math mistake. Mm-hmm. That was intentional. You lied. And so is he really, does he really believe it? Because if you really believe, as he was screaming yesterday, that the world is gone if we don't do something right now, that entire conference would have been held by Zoom. Exactly. You'd and, never get on a plane. And he would never have lied for a decade like he did about ethanol. Right. Tell us where we're wrong. He's built his wealth okay. on lies. Right. And but, he requires those lies to continue to keep that revenue stream going. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages for heavy trucks. Get a quote in as little as five minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Eric Harley here for my friends at Valley Chrome Play. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, the debt ceiling, because the negotiations or the non-negotiations or whatever is uh, is uh, is going on or not going on now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, look, it's real simple. Uh, we, we brought you the polls, and Republicans are touting the polls that the American public is concerned about the debt and you see the stories out there with the uh, interest rates uh, uh, going up. You see that the interest rates on Treasury bills, you know, and that's how you finance the debt, uh, you know, keeps going up and up and up. Uh, you know, there's it's anywhere from by the time we get to October of, uh, of, of next year that even if you don't cut the budget, you'll still might be cutting uh, 600 billion more or 700 billion more or 800 billion more or a trillion more uh you're going to be paying you're going to have to cut from the budget because that much more interest now is due on the debt because the interest rates are so much higher mm. and so 
you have the Democrats that say no negotiations, just raise the debt, mm-hmm. raise the debt ceiling, raise it, raise it, raise it. Don't negotiate, condi- you know, uh, spending cuts with it. Right. Now, you can get Americans, if you explained it to them, you can say, look, we need to get some spending cuts because the debt is getting out of control. And the American public believes the debt's getting out of control, and you can sell it. You can sell it up to the point until it comes to a government shutdown, then Republicans get all the blame. And people yeah, right. and, and people go crazy. Yeah. So that's the problem you're dealing with in, in America today. The people claim they want something, then when it happens, they're against what's happening. They're for something until the consequences of it hit, yeah. and then they're no longer for it. Yeah. That's the problem that the Republicans have, and that's what the Democrats are counting on. The Republicans will back off, and when they back off, there'll be disharmony and a divided Republican Party again. And the Democrats knowing that, well, every time this happens, the Republicans get the blame. Yeah, because we can do the budget down the road, but now the debt limit must increase. Otherwise, we will default. Republicans can't live with that. And we know they can't, so we don't need to negotiate. That's the situation that they're in. Why? Because they believe the American people, Democrats believe just like they do, that you say one thing but actually mean another. Right. And that's what the Republicans are up against. Yep. And who wants to be the one to say, no, we promote heavy cuts? Yeah. Nobody wants to do that right now. Nobody wants any cuts. Right. The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Uh, well, the uh, the uh, March for Life mm. is on, and new polls on an abortion, what Americans think. And we went through this when the whole, oh, by the way, the whole uh, Dobbs leak, the Supreme Court decision, they can't find the leaker. Yeah, that's kind of hard to believe. I know. Thing is, you know, it's like, well, bring in the FBI, the Department of Justice. Who trusts them on the right? Well, there's that. And my question is, there's been so much time now. You hand it off to the DOJ. I mean, are you going to find that person? Well, they said a lot of the lawyer lawyered up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the interns, whatever, lawyered up, and everybody's got. Well, this is what we should do, and you know, Republicans are outraged right. by it because yeah. it's almost like, oh, sorry, we couldn't find it. Right. Which means that person still is in there, and you know, I'm wondering how much, to what extent they they wanted to find it internally. You hand it off to the DOJ and then, you know, okay, we'll go through the motions here and then hand it off to the DOJ. I, it's just hard to believe uh, because somebody knows something. And and I guess, you know, the, the idea 
if you, you know, look at it on its face value, you hand it over to the DOJ and the uh, threat of, uh, you know, prosecution gets somebody to talk along the way. If there is, you know, if there's a witness to the leaking Mm -hmm. or somebody knows outside of the leaker who that person is. So I guess we'll see. A majority of Americans reject the Democrats' push for abortion on demand and support at least some restrictions on abortion, according to a new poll. Hmm. Marist Poll released a survey uh, ahead of the first March for Life since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. The survey found 69% of adults polled believe there should be at least some restrictions or an all-out ban on abortion. While 61% identify as pro-choice and 39% as pro-life, only 21% of Americans believe abortion should be available at any point in pregnancy, including 32% of Democrats, 4% of Republicans, and 20% of independents. 10% of Americans say abortion should only be available within the first six months of pregnancy. Uh, but when you look at it, the vast, the, the majority of people believe there should, they don't agree with the Democrats on it. Look, we've said, we've stated this before. Um, and we did this during Dodds and it was funny cause it's the argument I made with every single pro abortion person I met and none of them could argue it. They went, okay. Yeah. It's like, Hey, when, when, then this is when they were going after the Supreme court, these right wing fascists, I go, what are you talking about? When does life begin? Well, I don't know. Well, that's how you judge abortion, right? Well, yeah. So when does life begin? You can't tell me. The judges have stated that isn't listed anywhere in law where life begins. We talk viability, but not where life begins. Mm -hmm. Because where life begins, uh, when that's officially in the law, after life begins, you've committed murder. Yep. So when does it begin? And, you know, politically, biologically, it was interesting reading an article the other day saying you go through the strictly the medical professions of history and it's consistent, begins at conception. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was like when you don't put the politics in, you know, and now all of a sudden it becomes viability. Well, viability could mean anything. What does viability mean? Viability. Right. right. To, who judge and to, who sets the standard for viability? Right. You can move that goalpost, you know, and, and say, well, this would not be viable that uh, because of this condition or whatever it might be. And then you just apply your own definition to viability. Right. Or you adhere to a standard where you define life but as a society we haven't done that law in terms of the law right we haven't and that's what the, that's what the conservatives said we don't get to make the decision the right. last supreme court was wrong they 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 thought they could define it sorry you the people of the united states you need to define it yep through the legislature you need right. to define when life begins you haven't done that and the problem is that 
when you have, you know, you have a significant portion of the population that says, I believe in abortion up to a point. Well, why do you believe in it up to a point when it's in the womb? Because we've heard it's a woman's right. And I got into this discussion with the woman. Well, it's a woman's right. Oh, so you believe abortion up to pregnancy? No, it should be limited. You well, then you don't believe. Yeah. Yeah, to birth. Mm-hmm. What'd I say? Up to pregnancy. Uh, yeah, up to birth. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's a <laughs> important distinction there. Yes. And she looked at me and she just said, uh, she, she said, well, uh, no, not not up to birth. I go, well, then you don't believe in a woman's right. What are you talking about? I go, you just said in the womb, you just said it's a woman's body. She can do what she wants. It's her right. And now you're telling me it's not her right when it gets to a particular point and you haven't defined that point yet. And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, you're right. That wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, that wasn't that wasn't hard at all. And it's the same thing when you get to uh, when, when um, oh, I forgot who, I think it was Independent Bob when this issue was going on. Mm. He said, but yeah, and, and who said it the other day? Uh, oh, it was Joe Rogan. You and I were talking about Rogan saying, mm-hmm. well, you have those radicals, you know, you have the radicals on the right. And the only thing that he could pick for radicals on the right were there are people that want uh, uh, no abortion even for rape or incest. Right. And those were the incredible radical right. Then he started just laying out everything on the left. You know, a man can be a you know woman whenever they want. Just goes mm. through all the different insanity of it. And 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 I'll never forget that that's the same argument that Independent Bob brought up. He said, "Yeah, but he goes, they're just too unreasonable there." And I go, "Well, wait a minute." So what you're saying is, then if it's a human life, and he agreed, I go, "If it's a human life, it's murder." Yes. Well, they believe it's a human life. And that the lives are sep- you know, the separate, that it's a human life inside the womb, as do the majority of Americans believe that. Mm-hmm. That at some point, you can't do it. because So at that point, you separate. Right. The one entity is different from the, the, the other entity once it becomes life. Right. By the way, I'm talking about their opinion, mm-hmm. you know, the, what, mm-hmm. what the majority of Americans are thinking. Because Americans really don't think this out all the way. Many do, but many don't. Well, we haven't hashed it out because... No. Uh, that would be you would see that through our elected representatives, right. which I don't know when that would happen. I mean, right. think about that. Politically, and, if you're going to have the debates on the House floor or the Senate floor. Tell me what those debates look like. We know where the radicals would want to go. But where but if you're deciding law. Then at some point you have to pick through our elected representatives, that threshold of where you say, okay, it either is at conception or at whatever it is, four weeks, six weeks. You know, that was the whole thing with the Lindsey Graham 15 weeks. Well, it wasn't going to work because Republicans didn't want to vote for 15 weeks and Democrats didn't want to limit it to 15 weeks. Right. But when you get to it, the actual questions that's what, as I have found out since then, because every single person who I talked to who was pro-choice brought up the same argument. And it was so easy to defeat. And they even admitted, well, yeah, okay, I haven't thought it all the way through. Yeah, but don't you think you ought to think it through? Because if you believe at some portion in the womb that it is a life, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a tough thing to think about. Yeah, of course it's a tough thing to think yeah, about. it's not easy. No, it's not. Because when you're talking about, and I'll never forget, because I got Independent Bob on it. 
I said, Bob, but, you know, you're calling them incredible radicals. But, you know, you believe, as do most people who are actually pro-choice and actually say things that they don't think about, like it's a it's a woman's body and a woman gets to do whatever she wants to do with her body. Oh, so you believe in abortion up to birth? Well, no. Well, then you don't believe it's a woman's right. Right. You believe it's a woman's right up to a particular point when it becomes a, a life. You've just made the pro, pro-life argument. Mm-hmm. And I said, so even when it gets to rape and incest, you're dealing with the moral question then that many people go through, which is, okay, it's it's a human life, but it would be that human life can be sacrificed because of the trauma right. that the 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 woman may go through right and as a that, society that is the that is the question you right. have to that, answer that that is the question that nobody that's the question when you admit that it's a life now if you're if if your point is as every democrat believes in the democratic party we're talking about in the party Look at the look at all the votes. Was there maybe one or two that didn't? I think there was one. I think there was one vote. One vote in the, in the house. house. Yeah. Every single Democrat believes abortion up to birth. Yeah. The public isn't there. Yeah. Two hundred and ten votes. Right. And so that's the public doesn't think that way, and that's the problem. Because what you're saying is, okay, well then that life is expendable. Did that life? You're saying that life means it's a separate human being was their opinion consulted in this right no the decision was made by it so you're saying and so that's the but that's the mind fry of it that's the mind fry of of abortion that people and people don't want to think about it so they just throw out slogans we've seen that before right you know corporations aren't people they don't have free speech rights Mm -hmm. you know that they didn't think that through right Corporations, of course, corporations aren't people. Corporate, but the people in corporations are people, and those people have free speech rights. You didn't think it through, and and so that's the part they don't think it through because it's a hard moral question that everybody has. That most people, the majority, have come to a decision that it is a human life. Sometime. In the womb. Mm-hmm. Well, then fine. If it's a human life, they have just as many rights as you do. Right. So how do you make that judgment? And, you know, that's what we're doing. But that is viewed now. Tony Dungy, you saw. Mm. Because it was someone at ESPN saying that this radical should not allow to, to, to be there. And he's anti-gay, so he shouldn't be on. He should not, well, he's going to be marching in the thing. He mm. shouldn't be on any NFL programming whatsoever because of his abortion uh because he doesn't believe in the women's uh, rights and because of his lgbtq and as we brought up yesterday the lgbtq the left the left lgbtq very Mm -hmm. important to say that the Mm -hmm. left Mm -hmm. uh they're misogynists they don't believe in women's rights at all right how can you say that about dungy when it is if if you're a political activist on the left you're saying that about dungy that he doesn't believe in women's rights. Let's talk about women's rights. Yeah. Okay. We, we can go there all day. But, by the way, it's not going to work with Dungy. No, no, not work no, no. Uh, not the first time he's been no, verbally attacked. No. 
866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, uh, so, you know, there's all these other stories, uh, you know, that are, that are out there. We just mentioned, again, uh, a, a ton of them here in the last hour. But mm-hmm. really, I think that uh, – and and I don't know. I mean, there there wasn't a uh, press briefing yesterday, and that's probably because, they, because uh, the president was out in California. I don't know the schedule for today, whether there's going to be one. Mm-hmm. Tell you, if I were them, I would just shut everything down till next week. We in yeah, fact we had right. we had suggested when we got out of here. Remember last Friday morning, mm-hmm. we said no, it's a three day weekend. Shut her down. Don't yeah. come back, and then take an extra day and don't come back until Wednesday of next week. Right? They should have followed our advice. Right? And this uh, because this is just it. This is a night. This is a nightmare of a of a potential scandal that's self inflicted by the response that you've been getting. That's the thing. Is that all? Uh, a great deal of this could have been um, cut away, avoided completely, really, with the proper response. Not that it wouldn't be important to all of us who actually care about why the documents were there. But politically, look, you knew. You knew because it, the Trump thing had already happened. There's no way to avoid it. In the moment you know what's going to leak, you need to put everything out there. You don't, you don't need to say everything, but you need to tell people exactly what happened. You don't need the details. Just tell them what happened. Oh, they didn't do that. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey, that's part one of our show. Don't miss the rest. Click part two on our website, redeyeradioshow.com, or Red Eye Radio phone app to hear the rest of the show. And thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? (laughs) You pay me more. Jeff Smith teaches on the sliding scale. (laughs) Those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.